Amen. All right, turn with me to the letter of Paul, uh, Colossians. Colossians. All right. Colossians chapter 1. We'll read the first 14 verses. Colossians chapter 1, I commence reading. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it, is, as, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has known to us, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This week, we begin a week of prayer and fasting as a church, it is a week that we set aside in our church calendar to consolidate our time of prayers together and to also encourage ourselves on this important exercise. So when we gather this week, to pray together. What we are really saying as a church, as a corporate body, is that while we do recognize that in, we do have different giftings, the ministry of preaching is open to few individuals who are gifted in that area. When it comes to prayer, we do recognize that it is a ministry that is open to all of us. We are all called uh, to pray. 
And one of the sad realities of the Christian life is that oftentimes prayer is the last resort. We want to pray when we feel that everything else has failed to work. And yet, when we look at the scriptures, we see that prayer and the word go together. One must not be done at the expense of the other. And because of a failure to appreciate this gift of God, of prayer, it explains why a number of us do stay away from prayer meetings. And so as we focus on the week of prayer and fasting, we would like to draw your attention to Paul's letter to the Colossians and just draw some encouragement as we begin this week of prayer and fasting. Our passage is focused on Paul's prayer for the saints that they may have a worthy walk before God. That they may walk worthy according to their calling. And you see, when you read Paul's letters, you see his desire to pray, soliciting for prayers, and asking the saints to pray for him. And showing us that one of the main reasons why God the Holy Spirit placed on permanent records so many of the prayers of the Apostle Paul, the prayers of the, the other apostles, and the prayers of the early church, as we see in the book of Acts, is so that we see as God's children the instructions that those prayers contain, and that also we can draw lessons for our own encouragement when it comes to prayer. But we must also be quick to realize that prayer is never designed to be an excuse for apathy. Prayer is never an excuse to relieve us of discharging our responsibilities. We must be a people that when we sincerely cry to God, we must also be willing to do that which God requires of us. When we request for more light from God's word, more understanding of God's word, we must also be quick to implement or to respond in obedience to the very things that God is requiring of us. When our awareness of the greatness of God and the gospel is dim, our prayer lives will be small. The less we think of the nature and the character of God, and the less we are reminded of what Christ has done for us on the cross, the less we want to pray. And so as we open up this prayer of Paul, where he's praying for the saints for a worthy walk, 
let it also fuel our prayer lives. Especially as we begin a week of prayer and fasting, that we'll be encouraged to pray. Not only to pray when we have needs, but also to pray for the spread of the gospel. To pray for brothers and sisters in different localities, that together we may be one and continue to be sought and light to the earth. And so we will focus on verse 9 and verse 10 as we reflect and meditate this afternoon. And the first thing I want us to note from there is that prayer sometimes is regulated by special needs. Prayer at times is regulated by special needs. And this is what you see in the first half of verse 9 when the, when the Apostle Paul writes, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul is writing to them and is referring to the favorable report he has received concerning the saints. Epaphras, as you see in verse 7 there, uh, he took the message of what Paul, from Paul and his, camp and his friends uh, to the saints at Colossae, and also he brought news to Paul and others on how the saints were doing. And that report steered or generated this interest in the Apostle Paul to pray for the saints. And he's saying, since the day we heard the report, we have not ceased from praying for you. And the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this introductory, brother, as he sends his greetings, he begins by acknowledging that the people I'm writing to are fellow believers, but also he tells them that this is what we've heard of you, that from the day the gospel reached you, and how you responded, and the report that you've continued in the gospel, it has caused us to continue to pray for you. Basically saying, I'm giving thanks to God for you, for that report. And this giving thanks to God brings about intercession on their behalf from Paul and company. And this also shows Paul's pastoral concern for the, for the saints, for this congregation. Probably may not have known all of them by name or personally, but one thing you can see that he had a pastoral concern for them and he prayed for them. And therefore we're seeing is that sometimes prayer is regulated by special needs. And as Apostle Paul was praying for these saints, he wanted the saints to be God-conscious 
but also he wanted them to be people conscious. He's saying, as you live your life in view of your profession before God, let that be true with those around you, those seeing you, so that this gospel proclamation continues. And he's saying, as you drink and commune with God, you will live a life worthy of your calling. And what we are seeing here, brethren, is that news on how the saints are doing must cause us to pray, must cause us to seek God on their behalf. It must make us have a desire to pray for those individuals when needs have been brought to our attention and we know about this church, about this brother, about this family, we must not simply gloss over those reports or those items. They must move us to pray for them. The news that Paul received moved him to commune with God in prayer on their behalf. The example of Nehemiah, when you read Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 4, you see there that when the king looked at him and demanded, what is this sadness of heart, this sadness of face, why is your face downcast? Nehemiah told the king of the destruction of Jerusalem and he asked the king he made a request before a king but when you read before he did that he did a quick prayer and therefore you see that Nehemiah though he was in a good place in the king's service he was still concerned for his brothers and sisters. And so when he heard about what was happening, he was moved. He made a quick prayer and then he made a request before the king. And what we're seeing here is that there will be times when we are made to pray for our brothers and sisters who are even doing all spiritual, because the Apostle Paul is telling us that this was a good report. He didn't simply say, okay, they are doing well. Uh, uh, if we thank God, let it be. He still prayed for them. The report he received was not a negative report. It was an encouraging report, but still he realized that there was need to seek God on their behalf that they may continue on this path, living in obedience to God. That they may continue to serve this God. That they may continue to be sought and light. Many other times, 
when it seems unnecessary to pray for those who are doing well spiritually. We simply feel like, we may not say it, but somehow we feel like, you know, it's really a waste of prayers. I mean, they're already doing well. So what is it that we'll be praying for them? Let's focus our prayers on, on those who are struggling, those who are facing difficulties, or those who have fallen into sin. But the example we see of the Apostle Paul is that what will regulate our prayers sometimes are the special needs. And these special needs may be for those who are not doing well and may also be for those who are doing well. The bottom line is that we must pray for one another. The Apostle Paul knew that the saints who are doing well may easily become a target of the evil one. And so to pray for them that they may not find themselves or fall into temptation or that they may not be discouraged in, in their quest uh, to live for God. And so even as we come to pray this week, there are a number of items that, that the elders have provided. The idea behind is that we must be able to thank God for the progress that the church and the saints have known, but we must also be able to pray and seek God's face for the challenges, for the struggles, and for whatever difficulties that our fellow brothers and sisters might be going through. Elder Matafali was praying for the country of Romania. In the morning, he prayed for the country of Russia. Spend time, get to know what's happening there concerning the saints in there, the state of the church, and let it move you to pray. So that each time you think of Russia, you're not just thinking of, of Putin or the struggles, the fights between Russia and the states and, and also these kind of economic challenges or at the moment the, 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 the challenges that Russia is having with European countries concerning the gas and the oil. Let it go beyond that. Think of the state of the, your brothers and sisters in this country and pray for them. Think of the brothers and sisters in other parts of Africa that are being persecuted or brothers and sisters in other churches facing challenges. And pray. That's why this is recorded for us here. We have the Apostle Paul saying, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for, for you. The Apostle Paul is saying this special uh, request or this news that came to us moved us to pray for you. 
And we can stand before God and say we prayed for them. And so we see that sometimes prayer is regulated by special needs or we are moved to pray as a result of the needs that are present before us. But in the second place, look at the, the comprehensiveness of, of this prayer. The comprehensiveness of the Apostle Paul's prayer. Think of the breadth of the request that the Apostle Paul makes on behalf of the saints. The second half of verse 9. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He began by showing them that from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. And this is a, our, our breath, our request before God on your behalf. And what's that request? We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see the comprehensive nature of the request that the Apostle Paul makes on behalf of the saints. And he's saying that my prayer on your behalf is that before God you may be filled with the knowledge and not just any other knowledge, but the knowledge of his will in all spiritual and wisdom and understanding. And so the Apostle Paul is praying that these saints who are doing well, this good report we've received, but he prays that they may continue. And as they continue, that God himself will fill them with the knowledge of his will. What he was praying for is that they should be totally controlled by the knowledge of the will of God. Paul is really saying there that these saints who are doing well, that they may continue in that path and develop a deeper and thorough knowledge of the truth of God. And really the prayer is that their faith may be practical. Paul is saying that when they're filled with, with the knowledge of God's will, He's saying that they may not simply be theoretical, but that it may manifest in obedience to God. True biblical knowledge is not theoretical. It manifests in obedience to God. And Paul was praying that as I grow in knowledge of God, that knowledge may be seen in their practical 
walk with God, as they walk with God, that they may be able to show that the knowledge they have of God's will is translating into their, their, the way they look at life, into their outlook to life. So that those who see them, even though they don't hear uh, their testimony, they may see it in their actions. And there we see that what Paul was really praying is that they may be filled with the scriptures. That's what God's will is. God's will has been revealed to us in his word. The scriptures. And he's saying that they may have the knowledge of God's word and that that knowledge will control their minds. And as it controls their minds, they may live in obedience to God. And that this knowledge of God's will may lead them to all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here the word wisdom simply means the ability to collect and quickly organize principles from the scriptures. The ability to collect and quickly organize principles from the scriptures. And then understanding refers to the application of those principles that have been organized from the scriptures. And so he's saying, when you have the knowledge of God, this knowledge will show itself in wisdom. And this wisdom will be applicable in any situation of your lives. And it will show that you have the understanding of the scriptures. And this wisdom and this understanding are spiritual. They they are spiritual in nature and God the Holy Spirit must engrave them upon the tablets of their hearts. And the Apostle Paul knows that for the Christian, for them to navigate in this dark world, they need this knowledge which will result in wisdom and in understanding. And this is what he prays for them. That the knowledge of God may be seen. And the Apostle Paul knew that a mind that is soaked with the knowledge of God will be able to comprehend the general principles of the Bible and the specific principles of the Bible, and, there, and therefore be able to apply them into life. He knew that the two are not disconnected. Yes, God is high in the heavens, but it is this same God who's interested in the affairs of his people on earth and has given them the scriptures that they may see what he has said and therefore his children may live in obedience to this great God. 
And this must also be a prayer for one another. That the Lord may fill us with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That we may be a people who do not just have the knowledge of God theoretically, but are able to apply it in life. That when we apply those principles in life, we are able to show this world which denies that there are no absolute standards when it comes to morals. We may be able to show that for us, there is this final authority in all matters of life and godliness, the scriptures. We will not shy away to say, thus saith the Lord. While the world may debate about uh, what should be the standards of morals, what should they look like, for us, we'll be able to enforce what we believe with the authority of the scriptures. And this request is something that Paul prays for the saints. He's basically saying, don't be a people that are busy trying to understand God's secret will. Be a people that are interested in the revealed will of God. Don't be caught up in trying to, uh, to, to explore the, the, the unfulfilled prophecy. Read what God has revealed and let that cause you to have a worthy walk before God. Let God's word saturate your mind and that saturation, let it be seen in our day-to-day -day affairs of life. Having laid that foundation in terms of the needs that caused him to to pray for the saints, then the comprehensive nature of this prayer. In the third place, we now look at the prayer itself, which is walking worthy of God. Walking worthy of God. And that's what he says in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Saying this is the goal of this prayer, that you may continue to walk worthy of God. And this is why now Paul focuses his prayer. And he's saying walking with God produces this enlarged sense of duty that as you realize that you are walking in a manner worthy of God, there's a sense of duty that is put before you. There's this increased realization 
of a need to do that which is pleasing before God, but also to bear fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the prayer of the Apostle Paul here. That the saints may realize that there is this duty they have before God. And the Apostle Paul highlights three things there that shows that one is walking worthy of God. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Fully pleasing to him. Now, of course, you know, in the scriptures, the word walk is used to refer to one's pattern of life or one's pattern of daily conduct. And the Apostle Paul is, is saying, your work must not be periodical or sporadic. It must be consistent. You must walk in such a way that you are daily conducting yourself in a manner that is pleasing to God. There must not be moments in your life as a Christian where you think you, you, you have a leeway not to please God. He's saying your walk must be in such a manner that you are fully pleasing God. And therefore, this kind of walk brings a realization that I serve a God who's all present and wherever I am, he is present with me and I must conduct myself in such a way that he who saved me is fully pleased. And we've been given all that we need to walk worthy of such a life. Christ died for us and has given us his Holy Spirit. Who, and the Holy Spirit in us guides us and guards our mind. So to are able to do that which pleases God as a result of God being present in our life or resident in our lives. A mind controlled by knowledge Wisdom and understanding produces a life worthy of the Lord. And God has not left us to our own strength or resources. He has given us everything we need to walk such a life or to live such a life. God is the one who works in us both to will and to do that which he commands. Martin Luther in his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, acknowledges this reality that he cannot do it on his own strength. And he says in one of the stanzas, he puts it this way, did we in our own strength confide 
our striving would be losing. We are not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Doth ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, saw both his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And he's basically acknowledging that Christ has accomplished that for us. And now he calls us by the power of his spirit to live in accordance with our calling. But you see, he still goes on to highlight another thing. He says, fully pleasing to him, then he says, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. And he's showing to us that a work, a work that is worthy of God is a work that is pleasing before God, but a work that is fruitful. Bearing fruit in every good work. And this is, this is what the, Lord, the, the Apostle Paul was praying for the saints. He's saying fruitfulness results from the knowledge that you have of God's will. And fruit is the byproduct of righteousness. It is a mark of every Christian. In John chapter 15 verse 8, we are told, by the, if we produce fruit, then we will glorify God and prove that we are his disciples. And therefore, a life worthy of God is a life that is fully pleasing to God, but a life that is fruitful to God in every good work. And the Bible defines good works, good works in different ways. We have different examples. And in this case, in, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul, when he thinks of fruit, is saying in every good work. So whatever it is that you think is good, it's a good work. Do it. Produce fruit in there. And the passage we are reading in James 4, we are told, whoever knows the good is supposed to do and does not do, to him it is sin. And so therefore, we must be a people that are full of good works. And those good works are not because we are trying to end salvation. They are a sign, a visible sign of our inward transformation. And we must not shy away from trying to do good. We are, for us, we are showing the world that because of the work of Christ in us, therefore, these good works spring from that basis that Christ who saved us requires us to do good works. And that's the difference between us and the Roman Catholics. For the evangelicals, good works are not so that we earn our salvation. They are the evidence of our salvation. While for the Roman Catholic, good works is for the purpose of earning salvation. 
And we know that the scriptures is clear that our good deeds are as filthy as there are as filthy rags in the sight of God. But when Christ comes and washes you from sin and gives you a heart that is responsive to God and seals you with his Holy Spirit, it is just right that we do good works because of us being in Christ. Therefore, if we're going to do good works, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding are prerequisites for bearing fruit. They are prerequisites for bearing fruit. Or to say it the other way, a lack of fruit in a Christian's life may be directly related to a lack of spiritual wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So what the Apostle Paul is, is showing us there, that this, if this is there, these other elements will be there. If there is knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, then there will be a walk that is worthy of God. And that walk will be fully pleasing to God. It will be a walk that is bearing fruit in every good work. And this requires diligence on our parts as God's children. And the third thing we see there is that there must also be an increase in the knowledge of God. And increase, and he says in the last part of verse 10, and increasing in the knowledge of God. A work that is worthy of God is one that is fully pleasing to God, one that is bearing fruit for God, and one that is increasing in the knowledge of God. Growth is progressive and it is progressing in the knowledge of God. And the knowledge of God is given to us or is revealed to us in His Word. And if we are to grow, then we must find time to read the Scriptures. We must find time to read the scriptures. The mark or the marks of growth in grace include a deeper love for God's word. It reflects itself in obedience to what God says. And it results in an, an increase in our faith in God. The knowledge of God is given to us in the scriptures. 
And if you are not spending time reading the scriptures, you will not grow. And therefore, you will not be one who desires to pray. Because your awareness of the greatness of God is dim. And what Christ has done for you, He's slowly becoming dim in your life. And therefore, the desire to commune with this God is not there. And your desire to attend prayer meetings is less and less and slowly becoming dim. There is this connection. If you are not growing in the knowledge of God, your mind is not being challenged by the truth of God's word. And because you are not being challenged by the scriptures, you are not finding time to talk back to God, his word. Or you begin, because you lack the biblical knowledge of prayer, you look at prayer as a substitute for duty. So that when there is an issue to, to do in the, in the body of Christ, you, you are so quick to say, let's pray, and sound very spiritual, but really is trying to avoid doing the duty. And therefore, you hide in prayer. An increase in the knowledge of God will cause us, like the Apostle Paul, to have a sense of agency to pray. Because when we read the scriptures and our knowledge of the scriptures are increasing, we will see what God says that we need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We will see what God requires of us, that we need to be a people that pray for one another. And we will see what God requires of us, that we need to see that the church is standing on the truth. And therefore, these realities coming from the scriptures will cause you to go before God and plead with this great God to fulfill his promises even in our day. And the more we behold of the excellencies of God in the scriptures, the more our heart is warmed towards God the more intimate and constant our communion is with God, the more we delight in God, and the more we tender or sensitive we become to his leading. We must pray for a worthy walk as God's people. We must pray that God grants us opportunities for evangelism. Evangelism is not a church 
program. It is a Christian responsibility. And if we are growing in the knowledge of God, we'll be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and we'll see opportunities given to us every day for evangelism. We will not simply wait for that day which the church has set apart in a week as a day of evangelism. We will see those opportunities given to us every day. The people we work with, the people we go to the same school, our cosmetics, where we buy tomatoes from on a daily basis, bread. For those of us who drive where we buy fuel from, we will see people as souls in need of the gospel. And we want to utilize such opportunities. How often do we pray for one another? How often do we desire to meet and pray with God's people? When was the last time you had the longing to be in the house of prayer? Could it be that the awareness of God's greatness is becoming dim in your life. Once upon a time, the attributes of God just moved you not only to worship this God, but to pray to this God. And as years go, you are able to achieve one or two things, and you're now beginning to depend on your experience, and therefore spending less time to pray. If you pray at all, most likely the only time there have been some level of consistency is at meal times. When you're, about, when you're giving thanks to God for the food before you. As we gather to pray this week, oh, that God may not only move us to pray, but that God may cause each one of us to take it personal to find time and join God's people somewhere in a home group and pray. Pray that God may cause us to have a, a worthy walk before him. Cause that God may increase our wisdom, understanding, and, his, and our knowledge of him. Cause that God will move us to pray for other believers within Zambia and beyond. Resolve this week not to be charmed by the world's delight, but that you pray with God's people that God may revive our hearts as we pray.
during a week of prayer and fasting, the elders do compare notes. And sometimes you find that the numbers that are present during the week of prayer and fasting are the same numbers that are present during prayer any other church meeting. And we wonder where the others are. May God help us that we'll be a people that desire to pray. And not just to pray alone, but to pray corporately with God's people. That we may show our non-Christian friends that we believe in prayer because we believe in a God who's living and a God who's given us prayer as a means to communicate to him. May this week of prayer and fasting be a time in the history of this church when God will revive our prayer time. Amen.